0: Alright guys, what's up, what's up, what's up, let's hop fucking into it. I told you guys I was going to go ahead and make this episode and I want to be someone that is exceptionally fucking accountable to make sure that I give you guys exactly what it is that you were looking for. You guys keep listening, I'll keep dropping episodes. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I realize that one, you guys don't have to do this. You guys choose to come in and listen to every single episode that I drop daily, so I really appreciate it, and I want to go ahead and let you guys know. The people that are consistently supporting me on every one of these podcast episodes, the people who are subscribing, who are downloading Anchor, I want to make it be known. I am aggressively appreciative about it. Why? Because appreciation allows you to draw more of that which you want to. You know, if you're sitting there talking to your wife or whatever, you're not being appreciative of the shit she's doing for you, how likely do you think she's going to keep continue doing the thing that you want her to do? If she's cooking you dinner and you're sitting there talking about oh, your food ain't that great oh well you got this many problems you're sitting there complaining and nagging you're going to what push her away why because you're conditioning her to associate negativity with you all right that's the idea of pavlovian conditioning so if you want to write that one down it's pavlovian conditioning ivan pavlov figured this out in the early 50s it's the idea of the autonomic response patterns or unconditioned unconditioned stimulus becomes a conditioned response pattern and one of the ways that that simply happens, which is what this episode is about, so I'm kind of giving you a brief overview of it, is the idea of imprinting. This is a neural, like, or imprinting, or in neuro-linguistic programming, is considered anchors. Or in, uh, you know, habit for patient psychology, it's considered a happy chemical response, or, or addiction formation, right? It goes by many different names, but ideally it's the same. It's ba- based off of classical conditioning. Which is the idea, and it, and it has a subtle uh, way of—it's it's a system of forced learning. So people do this all the time, right? You, you you pay attention to what's going on around you, and you start to learn, right? So human beings are learning machines. An animal learns faster being rewarded for good behavior than being punished for bad. That is what's considered operant conditioning. It's a, it's another system of forced learning, and Pavlovian conditioning is based within that. So. I'll th- I wanted to give you an example, right? I used another episode. I was talking about the idea of when you stop at a red light, how do you learn to stop at the red light? It's because everybody else is doing it. After enough time, you don't have to see anybody else stopping at a red light to know to stop. You have learned to make an anchor to, 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 to trigger. The red light triggers you to slow down and to stop, which is why if you think about it, the red light at the stop sign is red. Every other car, the tail lights are all red. Why? If they're using Pavlovian conditioning to specifically anchor to you to let you know to stop. Coca-Cola did this, interestingly enough, in the early 50s. If I were to, you know, this is one of the, this is a, a quick, you know, for anyone that pays attention to marketing. The original color for Santa Claus, I would imagine probably nobody knows what that is. Santa Claus was not red and white. That's not normal. His original colors were red, green, and gold. They changed his colors, Coca-Cola changed them in the 50s, to red and white to match their brand. And sales for Coca-Cola soared. Why? They used an anchor to a nationally known figure and took advantage of that to where their brand got the same familiarity, triggered the same chemical response, triggered the same feelings of Santa Claus. Warm, friendly, fuzzy, caring and jolly man, which therefore made their brand skyrocket. You ever wonder why Coca-Cola is red and white and why Santa Claus is red and white? And every single time you see their commercials in the, during the holidays, you'll see a little polar bear, you know, a little cute one. And it's got a little, the little Antarctic uh, or little like uh, the, 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 the frozen glaciers over in Antarctica. And you'll see like Santa Claus coming with like the reindeer and he's always got a fucking Coke in his hand. You ever wonder why that is? They reverse engineered what people saw on TV and had their ad look to what was familiar and the habits of people that already did. People have this mind, this fantasy in the mind of the way Santa Claus looks because it's been programmed that way. And it's been programmed since you were little. It's, and I, don't, I don't even, you know what, I could easily go into like Disney psychology on this. Um, this shit gets real dark. Um, just for people that don't know, I do have a background of 14 years of, of studying social psychology. And not just studying it, I trained with some of the best in the world on how to implement and how to use it. So when I do talk about this... I'm going to reference studies, and I'm going to give you a lot of examples from personal experience of how I've used it, which is actually where this particular story is coming from about imprinting. This came from actually what happened to me. So let's not, let's, let's, let's not hold off any longer. Let's actually just get right into the content. Let's just go ahead and do a deep dive on this, right? Because I think I've set the groundwork for exactly what you guys should expect. So I was at this conference, and I'm at this conference. What ends up happening is we are, to, we are told to... Tell a personal story, a tell a traumatic story about something that happened to us, something that really hurt us, that we hadn't got over. It. And we were told to tell it and, ma- and make the person that we were talking to believe that we were a victim in the situation and that it was unfair that what had happened to us. Now, here's what's interesting. Because of my background in social psychology, I immediately started closing off. And the reason I started closing off, I said, I'm not stupid. I'm aware that if I start telling someone something traumatic and invoking and feeling the feelings of the trauma that I'm really going to go there and I'm going to experience that emotional pain. And whoever I'm looking at and telling that to and I'm telling that deep secret to somebody, I'm going to create a psychological bond with them that I don't have with anybody else. Why? Well, it's simple. In the power of habit, one of the things they discussed is that it's the idea that when when the brain starts thinking about things, it creates real mental real estate in the mind. So when you start doing an action and it's new, your brain starts lighting up with a lot of neuro, with neurological activity. Why? Because what it's doing is it's trying to help you to find the shortest, fastest route to get something done. The more times you do this, it now goes from something that's in your short-term memory, it goes directly to your long-term memory because you've done the action. You ever think about when you go to the gym and after about a few, uh, a few days, you just get in the habit of being able, or not a few days, a few months, you get in the habit of being able to do it. And then if you take time off and you don't go, you still know how to go ahead and lift on the bench press with the right technique because you have muscle memory. Well, here, that actually muscle memory is a real thing. The brain creates real mental real estate for the actions that you've taken in the past. Even if you're envisioning it, Dr. Dennis Waitley did this. He did this study and it was called Visual Motor Rehearsal. And he has this quote where he says, what you visualize, you then materialize. He did this with Olympic athletes back in the 80s and he didn't have them run on the track. What he had them do was run the race in their mind and only in their mind. And interestingly enough, the same neurons fired in the same order, in the same pattern as if they were actually running the race. Because the brain can't tell whether it's a practice, it's just envisioning it, or if you're actually doing it. Which should show you about the power of your mind when you start envisioning things. you need to be very careful what you envision. Why? Because what you envision actually becomes real. People think, that's, that's the law of attraction. No, motherfucker. That's how your brain works. Your brain is lazy. It's trying to find the shortest, most fast way of getting something done. Your brain is lazy and it's efficient. It's a pattern recognition machine. The reason that it does that, it's meant to keep you safe. If you do something repetitively over and over again, your brain has to keep taking energy to figure that thing out and figure out the shortest route to do that. What happens when a tiger comes up? It's gonna be sitting there going, whoa, we're brushing our teeth. Yeah, this is really important. Oh shit, a tiger, too late, I'm already getting eaten. So the brain creates a pattern and it creates a habit and the basal ganglia, the part of the brain that deals specifically with habits to make it easier for you to do that thing. Which is why people, they don't even realize the habits that they have. They don't pay any attention to it at all. And the only reason I pay attention to it because I'm in marketing. My job is to reverse engineer habits to get you to buy shit you don't need. <laughs> That's being very frank. That's our job. It was the same thing how I did my dating life. I would reverse engineer the patterns of what that girl had in order to date her. Because if I did that, I was creating frequency and residency for what she was already doing. It was simple, it was easy. Because it's something that she did every single day. So she she had an autonomic response which is like breathing you have to breathe if you don't breathe you'll die right the only way that, that turns off people don't know this you want to know one of the ways to stop your breathing take opioids particularly uh it's it's not poppy seeds it's the uh, oxycodone or like yeah or oxycontin it's, it stops, it, it, it depresses the central nervous system, which is the area of the brain, the area of the, the body that, uh, that controls that area of breathing autonomically. So, where your brain's like, you need to breathe, you end up having to become aware of the fact you need to breathe again because it stops. Which a lot of people end up dying once they take it because they get so relaxed that the body stops breathing, and you, if you're not aware, you can end up suffocating yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Be very careful about what substances you fucking take. Very, very, very careful about what substances you take. So the idea of imprinting. I knew that I shouldn't tell this girl the story because I knew I was going to create a friend with someone that I did not want to get close to. If I got close to her like in that manner, I'm going to start having all the feelings and associations with this person as if I've already slept with her. And I've just told her something deep in myself, a secret that I've never told anybody, not even a therapist. I knew this ain't the time to do that because psychologically... I'm gonna bond with her because we were holding hands, which is even more so, I was like, I'm not gonna create that imprint. Not on her, uh-uh. So I let her go first, let her tell the story. She tells her story and she, she tells the story to me and she goes deep. She goes reliving it so much that I felt the empathy and the, the natural response was to reach out and to comfort her, and then, and that moment, I said, "Oh shit! I just imprinted on this girl," and or I mean, I allowed her to imprint on me, and I touched her when doing it. I was like, "You gotta be kidding me!" I'm like, "This is dangerous." The reason that I knew it was dangerous. The people go, well, "How's it dangerous? What was the effects?" Here was the effects right afterwards when we were sitting in the conference. What I started noticing, her body language started changing. All of her body language before was like she, she, she was, she was. Like, not familiar. There was, it was baseline level of rapport. Just like, you know, I'm not a stranger. You've seen me for a few days. But there was nothing deeper. She kept touching me. And she kept touching me with patterns that women only do when they're trying to show that they like you or they're trying to show that they want you to let them know you're not a uh, let, To let you know that they're not a threat. That they're there to help you. Like, when you start seeing maternal behaviors, she likes you. It's, it's the easiest sign. You, you know, Whenever you get that extra complimentary you know, beverage from the stewardess and she touches your shoulder, she's trying to increase compliance because touching increases oxytocin. you got four happy chemicals that go off in the brain. Oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, and endorphins. And each have a specific reason of why they are triggered, what makes them trigger, and the effects of what happens. This girl, because she went through a traumatic experience and then we were touching... It was creating oxytocin, which is the social bonding chemical. It is the chemical that when a woman is pregnant, she starts going through labor contractions, oxytocin starts pumping into her body's bloodstream to create love and a bond with her and her child. If a mother did not have it, a mother could not love her child. They did the studies with animals. And if a mother uh, like had not been like, laying on its eggs, it would not nurture them. It, especially if the scent, even if the, if the scent of the, 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 the chick was different, the mother will stop nurturing and can actually end up attacking it because they had learned an autonomic response of this smell or this color tells me to nurture the animal. And when it lost that cue, it actually started attacking the animal, which shows you how lazy and how stupid our brains are and how they can be manipulated. This girl imp- imprints on me. And I'm going to go a little deeper. Here's what happens. She starts feeling very safe with me. She starts talking to me more. She was quiet before this. Now she starts talking a lot. And I'm going, oh, shit. I've created psychological investment. Mentally, in my mind, I knew I had already slept with her. And it wasn't like, and this is not to be crass. This is psychologically, she imprinted on me. I, there was a level of intimacy that was reached in her mind that her clothes already had been coming off. And not, just because of, that's how the brain works It's not even fair. It's, it's, it's really, and I am keep trying to imp- impress upon you being very careful about these techniques because These techniques create crazy people. People are not crazy on their own accord. They either have gone through trauma or they have gone through some type of battering and the brain has has figured out coping mechanisms to help you, which is why when you go through traumatic experiences, you've gotta talk them out with people who actually have your safety and well-being in mind. Because if someone is nefarious and decides to use the deep things that you tell them about you against you, it's going to create a break in your psyche. This is what makes crazy. This is what makes people like schizophrenic. If you're getting raped long enough, you, de- you end up developing a personality to where the, the strong person ends up taking over the weaker one to protect it because you can't protect yourself. Your brain is helping you to cope so you don't go mad. So she imprints. She starts, you know, when we're sitting next to each other, she starts touching me a lot more. She's talking more. Um, And and, and that that may not sound like a big deal, but it was the way she was touching me. It was the way she was doing a lot of like maternal type gestures, and then she started like leaning into me more, and like uh, like being comforted. And I could see it even like all of the body language gestures were the same gestures of someone that I was dating or sleeping with. And I'm going, that only came from in her mind. She told me something that deep, so all of the body language gestures after that showed that I was a, a a lover in her mind because she told a secret to someone she's never even told her, her parents never told anybody just hold it to me I'm I'm now at a deep psychological place that that no one else can get to I'm trying to make people very aware of this so to make it real simple for you guys why why is it you should go hold back on on who is it that, that you think you should be talking to. Well, here's one of the biggest reasons you need to be very careful about who you're talking to. You wanna be careful about who you're talking to and who you're telling secrets to because not everybody's safe. Not everyone's trustworthy. Not everyone's the person that you should be telling those deep things to. You gotta figure out, what is, this person's, what is this person's agenda? What do they want from you? Spend time listening to people because the more you listen, the more you figure out about people. They're gonna start revealing to you their inner dialogue, their belief system, the way they see things, what their priorities are, where their priorities lie, where their loyalties lie. Why? Because everyone's favorite topic is themselves and once you start getting them talking they're going to tell you everything they want and there's a difference between what people want to be shown about themselves and the real them and what you've got to look for is you've got to look for the consistency in language patterns a consistency in stories or things that they consistently do while they're talking to you because that's going to give you a real psychological uh, blueprint into how they actually see the world look at what words they use Look at, look at the way they see themselves. Ask them what their dreams, their hobbies, their passions are and see what they talk about. See what comes up first. See when they start doing dissonance gestures because that's going to tell you what they don't like and you're going to see, if you see any affirmative gesture where you're creating resonance, you know they like that thing. You can watch it. You want to know when people are lying, they'll sit there and they'll do gestures where they'll say, I'm not a crook. You remember the, if anyone was like around during the 80s when Richard Nix said, I'm not a crook. I'm not a crook. And then he, what he did was he pushed himself away from the podium and put his hands behind his back. When is the only time you put your hands behind your back? When you're in trouble or you got something to hide. You've been, as a child, you're getting scolded. You ever seen a kid put his head down, he's got his hands behind his back and he's, he's, he's got his head down, he's feeling guilty, he's looking up like he knows he's getting scolded? Yeah, he's got something to hide. Because why? You hide your hands behind your back. Why? Because you are hiding something. Why would you say I'm not a crook and then push yourself away from the podium? You're pushing yourself away from the statements you made, which means you don't believe your own bullshit. I ask like, oh do you I'm like, oh, what's your relationship with your father? She's like oh, it's it's amazing. And then she does a grimace. She, she pulls the lips back to get real tight. And then she and she psychologically goes, No. I see her shaking her head. I'm like, oh, she do not like that dad. There's something that happened. There's some trauma that's there. Oh, what's your relationship with your mom like? I can you can people will, their micro flinches and their expressions tell you everything about their internal belief systems, how they see the world, what they're thinking about. If I ask you, oh, do you love your mom? And all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I love my mom, and you start doing this. Like, after you say it, or pulling away, I'm like, you got a problem. That means there's a problem with that mom that something happened. You don't want to talk about it. I can tell when someone's uncomfortable about something, if I'm asking something and they start frowning, I'm like, oh, I'm creating dissonance. I'm creating cortisol. They're not liking this. I'm putting them in a state of fear. Shoulders getting high. And I watch people. I study people and study their movements because it tells me everything about who they are. People think that, people think that you can hide shit, they can hide shit from you. The body tells everything about how their internal dialogue is feeling. Everything which is why when people, if you want to figure out the baseline of how somebody is, look at them, how they're stressed and look at them when they're calm and watch what they do consistently. You'll figure everybody out. Look, clothes they wear, what things they have in their home. Tells you everything about a person. What's a priority? Look what's in their home. Look what's in their car. Cause that's the thing. Those are things they consistently use every single day. It tells you everything. I look for habits. I look for patterns. And when I find those things, I can get an assessment of exactly who someone is. People wonder why I'm always so social, why I'm always talking to people. I said, because you start meeting personality types and blueprints for people. You start seeing people fit into archetypes. Nobody wants to be stereotyped, but they automatically, they, there's automatic stereotypes. People don't even realize it because the social circle and the tribes that they hang around, those are all, there's, there's groupthink, and there's groupthink patterns for how that person's going to behave in that infrastructure. So there's different sides. Put a girl in front of her mom, and she's like, I'm confident but she's not confident around that mom because that mom she got a bad relationship with her. Oh yeah, she's going to start taking in submissive gestures. Real, you ever seen someone, they say, I'm super confident. Their dad calls them and their shoulders get like tense and they start pulling back because their dad used to beat them. can promise you that. Their body language is telling you everything. Everything you want to know, the body reveals it. And it's funny because I, <laughs> one of the reasons I love this I can be sitting on dates and like I can, I'm, read, I'm, like, I'm paying attention to the girl's baseline and I'm looking for eight or nine cues to get an idea if, she, if she's lying to me or not. Very, very, very simple. And I can find out like what she really believes what she's telling the truth on. And this is one of the reasons I always try to create comfort because I want to allow a space for the person to tell me the truth. I don't want to create distance. I want to create resonance with everyone that's around me because the more resonance that I can create, the more they're going to feel comfortable and safe to be honest with me, which is why I say... Treat people better than you found them. Leave people better than you found them. Treat people better than yourself. Treat people like the way that you would love people the way you would love yourself. Here's why. It'll create a resonance with everyone around you where people will feel safe to be honest with you. You wanna get people to not lie to you? Give them a safe place to tell you the truth. Don't judge them. Create no judgments on people. It's the easiest way of creating resonance with people. Let them talk. Be understanding. Sometimes go first and tell a secret about yourself. You know why? gonna create resonance with that person. They're gonna start feeling like I'm not alone. They're not gonna think there's, that, 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 that there's such a special snowflake. They're gonna start thinking, wait a minute, I'm also like somebody else. I've also been there. I've also went through that. You're creating a friend. And when you create a friend, they're gonna feel comfortable to, t- to, comfortable to trust you and to share with you. Why? We buy from who we know, like, and trust. I use that saying all the time, but it's, it holds water and it holds weight. It holds solid validity. Figure out how you can create a safe space for people to be safe what judgments do you need to get over instead of sitting if someone tells you something gross or icky instead of pulling back me like that's weird actually take a minute and listen try to try to empathize with where they're coming from and why that would happen try to put yourselves in their shoes that's what empathy is to be able to see the world through someone else's eyes and see it the way they do and why they would see it that way because you can see that you know you want to know one of the things that makes marketers really good They got empathy. It's very simple. Empathy. Our whole thought is, who's our end consumer? How do we think like them, speak like them, and understand why they do what they do? If you can do that same thing, you're going to create a friend. You want to sell, create a friend. You want to date, create a friend. People think friendship is bad. Friendship is like the best thing possible. Friendship is the best thing possible. Why? Because... Someone feels safe to tell you everything about themselves, their dreams, their hopes, their ambitions, their career goals, where they want to be five to ten years from now, their worst day of their life, their best day of their life, the thing that they're hurting about, the thing that they're thinking about, the thing that's making them feel insecure about themselves. Why? When you're safe to tell the truth to, people will tell you the deepest secrets about them, but never tell that shit to anybody. Keep those secrets to yourself. Why? Because then you're someone trustworthy for other people to tell secrets too. There's a friend of mine, his name's D. This dude holds the secrets to everyone I ever know. And I crack up and I'm like, D never gossips. Never gossips about people. But most people sit, spend most of their time gossiping, and they wonder why no one's gonna tell them shit. And why they're always out of the loop. You talk too fucking much. It's your problem? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> spend time getting to know people. Spend time letting go of your prejudices, your ideas. Thinking the way that you know people, you know how they are. You don't. You don't know shit. You ain't spend as many years talking to people as I have. I'm telling you, I've spent years. I still do. Still spend years talking to people and learning. Why? Because I don't know everything. I'm still always curious. Today, curiosity killed the cap. Satisfaction brought him back. So my mom always said that one. And true shit. Hope that was useful, guys. I'm going to go ahead and end on that note because my laundry is done and I've got to get to a photo shoot. But hope this was useful. Thank you guys for tuning in again. I appreciate all the subscribes. I appreciate all the, you know, when you guys click your notifications to be alerted for when I do drop podcast episodes. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know what you guys got from this. I'll talk to you guys soon. Love, peas and chicken grease. You know guys know to fucking rest. Live long and fucking prosper.